Welcome to the fifth Media Curious Off-Message podcast with yours truly, Pat O'Mahony. For this one, I headed south to get the local media perspective, sitting down in the smaller standby studio of Cork's 96FM with Deirdre O'Shocknessy, the editor of and regular fill-in presenter on their morning chat show, The Opinion Line, with PJ Coogan. Deirdre gave me the lowdown on the different approach to producing for a local rather than a national audience and on what kind of items work best for them, from swans on the loose to dead horses in the road, from personal miscarriage stories to dealing with, of course, racing pigeons, as well as telling me why she's in no rush to work in Dublin, how when she arrived the station successfully replaced a big-name presenter in the same slot and why a morning talk show sits perfectly in an otherwise all-music radio format. Enjoy. Deirdre Shockley, this is Studio What in 96? Studio 2. Studio 2, the small one. It's very glamorous, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Just as well this isn't television. Yeah, no, this is the box room. The other one is designed for things like live videos, so it's fancy and okay. it has fancy mood And that's lighting. the one that's on air beside that's us at the studio moment. Studio 1, Kent Tobin is currently on air. Yeah. There you go. Very good, very good. Um, your role here mm-hmm. at 96 uh, in Cork is what? Uh, my official title is editor of the 96FM opinion line. So I'm editor of the Daily Talk Show. Um, I present when PJ is away. Um, and sometimes you'd hear me popping in and out mm. on air a yeah, little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I suppose thanks Jenny Kelly and the Older Darcy Show. Um, so there'd be a little bit of that popping in and out, but mostly I'm behind the scenes. Right. Um, so it's full on. Yeah. Um, my favourite thing that people say to me is, oh, one of your researchers contacted me. And I'm like, well, it was me or it was Fargo. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, one yeah. of your researchers was me but I must have sounded a bit different yesterday yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's a small team very close knit it's um, done by the skin of its teeth it really is you yeah. know it's a three hour daily show okay. uh, you know and people would say you know people would ask what what's the format of the show what's it like and the closest thing we've compared to really is Liveline oh. which ah, is half okay. the length and has about three times the staff I know I've worked on it yeah, yeah, yeah. so um, it's it's a roller coaster, really daily. So when you when that l- light goes red at what time? And uh, you're on air at about nine oh six. Nine oh six. When that light goes on, do you know what's going to be in the three hours? No, um, we have a running order done just in case. Um, That's very like Liveline. Yeah, yeah, about 50% of the time maybe mm-hmm. you'll get most of the things in the running order done. If it's a really slow day, you'll get what's in the running yeah. order done. Yeah, yeah. Um, if it's a really aw- awfully slow day, no one who's in the running order will answer their phone. <laughs> <laughs> These are the people that you've set up These to, to take These are the people call. who are set up and are supposed to be ready to take the call. Yeah, yeah. But um, we know well why the HSC is so busy because the majority of our callers seem to spend a lot of the time going in and out of doctors. Right. So you'll ring someone and they'll be like, oh, I have a doctor's appointment. You're like, but you said, you're available <laughs> so um, 50% of the time though it goes I mean I'd say 25% of the time it goes completely out the window Okay. Uh, 50% of the time in all it probably we, we get some of it in mm. um, so like it's very flexible and I suppose that was the biggest thing I had to learn coming to radio from a newspaper like you do a newspaper the bits stay where they are you get the finished product the next day and everything is where you put it unless you had a really bad um, day on print day um, and you have to fill that space whereas with radio of Obviously, it's so different. You don't, um, you know, you put in a caller and you might have allocated them five minutes. And then it turns out that something they've said is a thread that you can pull 
that is completely unrelated to whatever they were supposed to be coming on about. And completely unexpected. And completely they're unexpected. They're the gems. Oh, they're, that's what makes yeah, yeah. it what it is. You yeah. know, that's what makes live radio. Yeah, yeah. And you, you know, said there was a lady the other day, we had an item the other day on Cork's oldest dog. Um, a lady rang in saying she has a, a German Shepherd that's 16 going on 17, um, like Liesl. Um, and actually, maybe it's called Liesl. I don't know. You know in the sound What's of Liesl? Oh, it's oh, I, was, I didn't get... All right. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. So the dog was 16 going on 17 and she was kind of saying, is it the oldest one anyone has come across? Okay. That seems to be really old to me. Now, terriers apparently live way longer. So we rang an expert and we got an expert view and we put her on and of course the expert wasn't available then as soon as your woman came on. And I said, <laughs> F this anyway. We'll see what happens. And I said, I know this is a thing people will contact us about. This mm. is one of those things that they definitely will. People because like their dogs. They do. And yeah. people are proud of having what they think might be the oldest dog. Yeah. So loads of people contacted us and that was grand. And um, a lady contacted us to say she had had, I think it was a Jack Russell, and they live really long. So it lived to like 22 or something and then it died and she was heartbroken because it reminded her, her of her son who had died tragically two years before. And of course PJ said, and what happened to your son? And of course that was a really interesting story and the poor woman was really upset but it was really engaging yeah, listening yeah, yeah. because, oh, I wasn't expecting that. What yeah, We were all yeah. talking about dogs a minute ago yeah. and now we're talking about this tragic story. So, and I mean that was meant to be the light item in the show which will happen as well but, um, I mean those are people's stories and you know that when they ring in and they drop that into the conversations because they want to talk about it. Um, there's a level here of like amateur psychology being done every day mm. where, mm, tell me a little bit more about that mm. and you feel like you're the person's on the couch sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but those are the threads that you can pull that really unravel something very interesting um, so the running order half the time it goes out the window really mm. and you end up on these kind of precious gems um, and those are the ones you live for really you know yourself can we turn off that uh, thing do we think I don't think it goes off alright that's yeah. fine we'll continue mm. that's that's the air con in the that's, background that's why folks. no one uses this <laughs> one anymore <laughs> <laughs> I, you can only barely hear it it'll be fine it'll, it'll bother be, you but no, no one else no one else will yeah. hear it exactly. as, the, as the only non-radio person on this floor in the building like originally yeah. the lads are like oh do you hear interference and that and I'm like no and nobody else will as well yeah. just keep going but you know what they will and the thing the is the odd person will the thing is uh, if you're not the fussiest when you're yeah. making it yes um, standards will well, slip that's true they do decline but the problem with our our show as well is it's a phone in so okay. like you get people on the most atrocious phone lines exactly. it's only since I came yeah, working yeah. here that I know how bad all the mobile networks are yeah. they're appalling and actually some of the landlines are worse mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. everyone now has a mobile and very few people have, have a landline. landline yeah but actually in my experience many of the landlines are worse so someone said that to me mm. only the other day uh, on, in, in a different station uh, which I won't name but it was ra- RT Radio 1 so how does the chat show the the talk, the talk radio program that you do fit in with the rest of uh, 96FM's output uh, it's totally different the rest of the shows are music shows uh, so we're the only talk show there's the sports show at the weekend mm. which is a little bit more talk driven but they still play music we're the only show that doesn't play music that's like Jerry Ryan on 2FM back yeah. in the day. He stood out like a sore thumb but mm-hmm. was hugely successful. Yeah. And you know what? I think people tune in for that couple of hours of talk mm. and unless they're huge talk radio fans and they're the people who are, what do, what do we call them, re- promiscuous listeners, they switch over stations. The majority of people don't. The majority of people listen to 96 for the music mm. but they know if they need to know what's going on in Cork, they, turn, they have us on for the three hours and they have it covered. Okay. You said if they want to know what's going on in Cork. Mm. Um, you're the first interview for Off Message I've done with someone who works in local media. Mm. 
local media for local Look, people. For local people, <laughs> absolutely. So are you very aware? I mean, your background was, was print here yeah. in, in Cork. Mm-hmm. And in Galway before that. Yes. So uh, it, it, what's the difference between making a programme for a national audience uh, or even a, 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 you know, a newspaper? When you're when you're setting out your uh, content for the day, for the week, for mm. for planning ahead, what works? Well, a lot of the concerns are the same. So a lot of the time we'll be covering similar issues to Liveline. Um, there are a lot of similar issues that would occur on a local level. For example, that Liveline would cover. My favourite Liveline ever was the one about the Hoth Yacht Club. I don't know if you heard that or if you're working on that one. It was amazing. It was this lady rang in and she had been organising her dad's, I think, 90th birthday party mm. at the Hoth Yacht Club. I think Joe must have known them or he knew uh, okay. people connected to them or he knew people involved Joe in this discussion. People. He does. And um, he, I'd say, was trying very hard to keep it on the level because this lady was apoplectic that um, they had cancelled daddy's party okay. on the day of it uh, because she had somebody in the family had gone to put up banners and they had used pins in the walls and the walls were freshly painted Okay. and they, somebody had come in seen what was going on gone mental and cancelled the party on the day and I mean that was the kind of thing that would work here as gold and yeah. on Liveline it was even better because um, I suppose here well I mean Cork is quite big so it's not like everyone is going to know if something like that happened in Middleton for example mm. um, everyone still isn't going to know Middleton you know there's sure. people in Castletown Bear listening we have people listeners all over the world who have some connection with Cork who maybe lived here for a few years and moved away or whatever who, who still listen they're listening online yeah mm. and like these are people maybe who Italians who came and worked in Apple for five years no. got into the habit of listening to us and they still listen to oh, us wow. yeah we get these yeah. really random listeners yeah. a lot in South Africa for some reason um, so loads of listeners internationally so they're not all from Cork but mm. they would have to have some sense of Cork um, we'd have people who come to Cork on their holidays every year from the UK they'd be listening they'd often comment on our Facebook page um, so that Hoth Yacht Club one was a really good example of the kind of thing that would work well anywhere but it's probably made better in some ways on a local station because more people listening know the protagonists and that's a lot of what it is um, sometimes it's a case of there's universality about some stories you know uh, obviously the consent thing has been really big lately um, there have been stories about I suppose the Eighth Amendment um, over over a number of years now um, where those are the issues that affect everybody mm-hmm. no matter where you are so we cover a lot of issues that would be considered national issues but it means then as well that if there's a problem with dog fouling on the north side of the city we can talk about that too whereas on Liveline that's not going to sound great <laughs> Which work best or do or can you tell It depends it really depends. Um, I suppose sometimes it's about the demographic that you're hitting. Mm. Um, it might be an age and a gender thing. Um, it, I suppose it depends how you know or how you decide which is working best. Mm. Some things will have Twitter in an absolute flurry and the phones will be dead. Other things, the phones will be going mental and nobody online cares. Those mm. would be more so the local things usually. Yeah. Um, but it really depends and I suppose we know that like listen say I'm I'm thirty what age am I? Thirty two. And <laughs> when you get to that age, that's when you start forgetting or just revising down. Um no, I'm thirty three. Um so like people my age aren't gonna ring a radio station unless there is something that like unless their mother told them to. So they will tweet us, they will Facebook okay. us, they might even email us, they'll contact me on Instagram, yeah. they will contact us in a number of ways, well, they but text. They are, they'll WhatsApp. 
if they WhatsApp, you can then call them we back. We can call though. them back. And yeah. we can call them yeah, back yeah. if they text as well, yeah. um, which we normally do. Yeah. But the le- the numbers of people who actually ring in is declining mm. with, the, with the age profile of the show. Oh, okay. So obviously you want and need younger listeners. And the, I mean, the demographic profile, I'm kind of fitting squarely into it of mm. the people that we would like to be listening. Um, and the people who often are listening, but would not be ever the people to ring us in. So, I mean, if we literally only went on who was ringing in, we would have a lot of elderly men. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Is that, is that the, the, the dominant uh, um, caller profile? Phoning in elderly men and uh, I suppose a lot of older women as well. Right. But it would be older people because they're the ones with the landlines. Yeah. Um, the and younger time. people and the time and they're at home in the daytime. Yeah. And you see, that's another big challenge, I suppose, for this type of a show at this time of day. Mm. Like the people we want are not at home. Um, some of them are. You have a lot of maternity leave. Yeah. Uh, I discovered this myself when I was on maternity leave. You have a lot of, you still have a lot of stay-at-home moms, but they're too busy to be con- concentrating on the radio usually because mm. if they're at home it's usually because they have small kids um, so unless we, we would have a lot of people um, who are at home through illness or things like that mm. or because they're retired so you have to make a very strong effort to reach out on social media as well and I really hate that phrase reach out but you know what I mean um, to get the people who are on social media engaged in the show mm. as opposed to sometimes you'll see them commenting on a thread but they're not listening to the show so they don't know the context mm. um, but we've been very successful in that I mean it was one of the reasons I suppose that I got the job was because I was so into social media at the time that was uh, four years ago and at the time say the show that preceded this one they didn't use any social media Oh wow! And it's twenty fourteen. Four years ago. Yeah. Wow. And um, we've been very successful. Say people in Cork will know the history of that show, but that migration to another station, mm-hmm. um, and obviously you know there was a big name and there was a lot of um, big numbers involved, and a lot of people didn't think we could beat them, and mm. we did. And I would say our social media output and our social media interactivity with people has been a very key aspect of that. It's inter- that's interesting now that. You had a big name leave a station Mm. uh, and someone who was quite well known, but not in the in the same league, let's say, um, same division. Um, Was that a real fear? And 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 how did you how long did it take to settle in? How long did it take before you went? Ah, it is working. Yeah, about two years. Wow. Yeah, it was a big, a big thing. I suppose Mm. I was brought in when the change was happening right. so I wasn't here before that so I wasn't here for the old reality we'll mm-hmm. say and when I came in it was very much a new broom we had a new team um, PJ had been here for years and years and years everybody knew him mm. um, but not in that kind of um, this is that Jerry Ryan role mm. um, so it was a case very much of having to establish a new name in in a way and I suppose make people believe in the credibility of this new show um, and a new approach and completely turning the thing on its head really. Um, because What's you the have big to difference between the two shows? Uh, our show is much more listener orientated. What do you mean? So it's about people ringing in okay. and it's about the caller and it's about their story and it's not about somebody pontificating. Okay. Um, you know, there's no sermon and there's no... Um, there's no ego to a large extent um, like Peach is the most normal guy you'd ever meet he is utterly sound he's a dad of two he's normal he brings his collects his son from school and he mm. goes home and makes a dinner and he does very ordinary things that most people can relate to um, he's not trying to be a celebrity 
Um, and I think that's a big thing that people feel they can relate to him very well. Um, I suppose that would have been the appeal of PJ for the show really at the beginning that, you know, he's just like everybody else. Mm. And that's an awful lot. Like he will, he, you'll hear him regularly boasting on, on the show about how he buys his clothes in Tesco. You know? <laughs> he's very <laughs> proud of that. Um, but, you know, that's, that's his appeal. He's a normal guy right. and he's a nice guy and he's not there to catch people out or make fools of them or um, kind of set them up to fail on the show. Mm. Uh, I think that that's probably a big difference to what preceded us as well um, in that you're not going up against a big beast when you ring us okay. you're ringing up to tell your story and to share it and to see can we help you or someone can somebody who's listening. listening help you just someone who's listening when you sit in the chair when PJ is mm-hmm. away yeah what do you see that as your role almost to be Peter, no one knows just people can't see the, the join in the crack they, like, um, or do you do, do it differently I think we do it differently but only by virtue of personality um, and by demographic again you know we get more female callers than I'm on air okay um, and that like that's definite we just do mm-hmm. um, the topics we cover are normally kind of the same um, you would get more men ringing in with sort of jokes um, which can be very amusing like the last time I was on air we ended up discussing male strippers for like two hours <laughs> I don't even know how that happened you know but people tend to bring up different things you know to a female presenter um, do they think they're winding you up oh yeah a lot of the time they'll wind up the feminists you know that's yeah, like their yeah, favourite yeah, game yeah. Um, but that can be great fun you know you can't take it too seriously unless yeah. it is something serious yeah, yeah. you know if it is something serious I mean um, I suppose I was on air the week of the the Ulster trial you know and we couldn't really talk about it at the time but everyone wanted to talk about it so you had to talk about other things that were kind of related to it um, and I mean I was just glad that I wasn't on air actually when the verdict came out and everything because I said I don't think I'd be able to handle this one with any kind of objectivity mm. um, so there are things where our approach is necessarily different because of who we are so like PJ has a lot of experience of disability issues because he has a son with autism um, and he's he's kind of known for that and people will contact us about things like that because they know that the show is sympathetic to that um, you know whereas people might ring in when I'm on with some kind of more female thing mm. because um, they'll know that I ha- can relate okay. you know so it does okay. it does differ a little yeah, bit okay, on who the presenter is yeah. how do, how do, what's the competition like both in the slot and overall in the in the Cork radio market oh, huge huge because of that situation that we were talking about um, I mean do you want to name names come on it's, we're, we're, it's the elephant Neil there you go um, but elephant be, because of that so Neil has gone so to Neil's where at Red FM right okay and is and he directly up against you guys yes yeah right. very much so and very intentionally so you know yeah. um, that was the idea um, and so the competition is fierce you mm. know uh, recently we lost a team member to their team okay um, that which hurt. was uh, it did but you know people have to take opportunities where they yeah. come and that's the way of it um, and certainly when people are in kind of at the beginning of their careers they need to move on ah, okay. to, to make things yeah, happen yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so no and you know what a bit of freshening up is never any harm uh, in, in any case so but the competition is fierce I mean you wouldn't have that if there wasn't competition yeah. you wouldn't have poached how many stations have, have we in Cork uh, there's two we'll say in the city there's us in Red and then there's C103 which is tradition, which is our sister station mm. but it's traditionally a county station but now because of the licensing changes the three of us operate in the same city county area okay um, the Current Affairs show on C103 is presented by Patricia Messenger um, and that's on between 10 and 1 so it's not directly up against us but it would be obviously for two of those hours yeah. very different show um, much more of a magazine show kind of a slower pace a bit more relaxed um, and they would do a lot more things like slots which we don't do so what do you mean um, by slots you have gardening slots okay. um, you know Pete the Vet sort of a thing yeah. so they would have a lot of those kinds of things mm. um, so actually I think it actually offers a brilliant alternative because if you don't like shouty argy bar 
where do you radio? Then where do you go in the morning? Um, and you don't like, you know, really serious current affairs. Um, it's a nice balance because they have the local news and they have um, nice lifestyle stuff as well. So if you needed a little bit of a tempo change in the morning, that's where, that's where I would go. What's listenership like in Cork? Do 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 a lot of people in Cork listen to radio? Yes, huge, very popular, um, and local radio m- mostly. Um, like we would be much bigger than RTE Radio One at that slot in the morning in Cork, um, and obviously so would the other two stations in Cork. So like our God, I'm going to be hung for this now, but our Jane Law figures at the last one I think were seventy six thousand. Um, Red FM would have been eight thousand behind us, and I think C103 were slightly behind them, or they were near them somewhere. Mm. So like that's a huge chunk out of the market. Yeah. Um, when you take into consideration how many people are listening, you know. I know the thing about local radio and local newspapers is that people like reading and hearing mm-hmm. about themselves. Yeah. Uh, even nationally, you'll see a program working on national television or radio here, mm-hmm. and you can see the same on the BBC with loads more money. Yeah. But people watch the RTE or the TV3 version. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's like it's very important to people, and I think. Um, I suppose with as newspapers are going the way they are, it's one of the things that I would be very conscious of that um, you there's an obligation, I suppose, to support local because if you don't, then it's not going to survive. And mm. I suppose with radio, we're so privileged that we have the licensing situation that we have that, you know, there is some priority put on it and um, that it is regulated and all the rest of it for this reason of appreciating the importance of local production and local news. Um, newspapers don't have that, you know, and I, like you still have the Evening Echo, really, really strong paper in Cork. The Cork Indo is there. There's, there is still a very strong um, element of peop- Cork people wanting Cork. Although the examiner is now the Irish examiner, mm. not the Cork examiner. Mm. How do Cork people deal with that? Uh, not very well. I wasn't here <laughs> at the time, but um, not very well. And I suppose the Echo and the examiner are owned by the same people, yeah. obviously. Now they're all owned by the Irish Times. But, um, you know, and even the Irish Times buyout has had an impact, I would think, on the examiner because people are like, Psh, that's nothing to do with Cork now anymore. Mm. You know, even though the journalists are in Cork, they provide huge employment in Cork. Um, you know, and it is, and it's a very good quality newspaper apart from anything else. Um, you know, it would still be my preferred read of national newspapers, uh, largely because it does have a better spread of what's happening outside of Dublin. And, you know, I suppose looking back on the Irish examiner decision, I, I were only in it at the time, but if hindsight was foresight what they would have done was created something like the Farmer's Journal where the Farmer's Journal is this niche they have their own product they're very proud of their own product they're not trying to compete with another newspaper and I think if the Examiner had properly set up as a regionalised national newspaper where they had a bureau in Galway and in Limerick and in Cork they had one in Limerick uh, Waterford and they actually did all the stories around the country and kind of left Dublin to one side Mm. I mean every regional story in the Irish Times is on page two Mm. Uh, all of them like no matter how big they are okay. you know or else it's in features yeah. you know and uh, that does a disservice to people because you know you're reading full page spreads about some planning issue in Balls Bridge that 90% of the country has no interest in um, and you know there's a difference I suppose between that 90% of the country and the other 90% of the country that isn't interested in the Caravan and Patrick Street let's not talk too much about the examiner because they're not here I, I may no. I may well some other day you uh, should. sit down and, you should. and talk to some of the folk because uh, I want to get a over the the longer run of mm. of message, I I don't want to just talk to people in Dublin and and um, I, I regional newspapers are 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 right at the heart of of of, of it. Um, 
But your own background yeah. is in regional newspapers. Tell me about that. How did you get started? Yeah, um, I got started when I was in UL. I was did a law degree in UL, law and European. So studies. you didn't do journalism? No, I didn't. Uh, my uncle was actually a journalist. He worked in at the time Morning Ireland, and he would have advised me not to do journalism. He said, "Don't bother. <laughs> <laughs> um, do something else and do a master's in journalism if you feel you know you need the Why skills." Why had you talked to him when you were a nipper about yeah, doing journalism? About doing had journalism. you an interest in yeah, it? Yeah, I did. Where oh, did I, I did. Yeah, I always did. Was it in the writing or in um, the investigative? More so in the writing. Right. Yeah, I was good at English. You know, yeah. people kind of say, "Oh, you can be a solicitor or a journalist." So I said I'd do a law degree, and then I realised. I mean, I would be in Barbados or whatever with Michael Lynn, uh, but not because I had been clever enough to steal loads of money, just because I was running away from okay. very people um, I would have been the world's worst solicitor I have no attention to detail it can be an issue in every job obviously I'm just thinking but, of the radio um, programme no yeah, attention to detail issue. get her off the air but in terms of the legal stuff yeah, I just yeah. wouldn't have the interest I need sure. I need stories and I need people you know yeah. and um, so I was always interested in journalism it was the writing I did a, a sort of a TY work, work placement in the Irish Times um, it was more so newspapers but I, I remember I used to look at the likes of um, say Suzanne Harrington's column in the Irish Examiner um, Fiona Looney on various panel shows or whatever mm. going she's imagine getting paid for that and I was like that looks great I'd love that just people yeah, listen yeah. to it yeah, yeah. and uh, so I suppose it was across across the thing really um, but your uncle tried to talk you out of it he well, kind no, of said, said don't do don't study a journalism degree Okay. Because it's no good to you. Okay. And I do think still that was very good advice. So do another degree and then do, do a something master's. Different. And in if you're still interested, do a master's uh, or go and get a job. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I do think that was really good advice. And so I went to do a law degree because my career guidance counsellor was like, you like English and history, you should do law. I would like to say to her that's rubbish, but anyway. But you did the same um, thing, you got your degree? I did it, I got the degree, um, did French and sociology as well, so I got a bit of a mix. I would have been much happier just doing an arts degree, mm-hmm. but at the time in the Celtic Tiger, that was a sign of failure. So, mm-hmm. yeah. In the Celtic Tiger, there's the a Celtic phrase Tiger, I haven't remember heard for that? a while. Yeah, so um, I went off and did that. And then when I was in UL, I did a bit of stuff for the student paper, and uh, on Focal was the paper there, and um, kind of did bits and pieces for that, really enjoyed that. And then when I was in four, the, the position of editor of the paper in UL used to be an elected students union gig okay. so I ran for election won the election and uh, did that job for a year so it was a fortnightly paper during during the semester so it was 12 of them in total and the student diary and the website and all that kind of stuff so you and weren't a student you had finished so I was on a sabbatical year I was finished yeah. uh, you get paid yeah. um, and so it was my first that was my first job I suppose properly um, and I did it for a year and you know what it was the best experience you will ever get because everyone else is a volunteer except you you're the only one being paid it is your fault if shit happens mm-hmm. basically that is the best lesson buck you will ever get with you. the buck stops with you and I suppose that's been the thing um, like I suppose my level of experience at all times in when I've been when I've got the jobs I've got has probably been a bit lower than would qualify me for it normally mm. um, but it was the fact that I had this responsibility so every job I've had they've kind of looked at me and gone yeah she looks kind of responsible and that's why I've got the jobs I've got because I was in that job and literally if something went wrong it was your fault and you had to fix it um, and I think that's a really good experience you know um, so I did that for the year and while I was doing that there was a new paper a new free paper um, launched called the Limerick Independent in Limerick and I started doing column for them. When are we talking about? This was 2006. 
and um, that launched so I was doing a weekly column for them just about what was going on in the college I mean it was really just this event is on that event is on and I got paid for that and sure that was just like oh my god someone is paying me to write in a newspaper don't they know I don't know anything <laughs> about this what are they doing giving me money for this um, and, and the more you know the more you know you don't know uh, this is yeah, it okay. and I remember kind of going I like it. they're going to find out like what were you know what Still were they going to find out that knock on the door yeah, absolutely you know aren't we all so um, so that was kind of the first thing and then when I was finishing up in the students union um, there an opportunity came up in the Galway Independent which was their sister paper and the editor in Limerick said to me look are you interested in that and I was like but sure I'm not qualified for that and he said but sure give it a go like they're, they're really stuck and they were really stuck you couldn't get people at the time um, just Why? I don't know because at the time I had put up my CV on some jobs board Mm. and I mean I wasn't even finished my other job yet it was I think I was finishing in July and about May I put my CV up just to see was there anything going and I remember getting a really angry phone call from the Roscommon champion going "Um, can you start like next week and I was like "Um, no I can't start till July and they were like what do you do put your CV on boards and slammed down the phone and that was it Um, but people were really stuck for I suppose small money you know probably not a very glamorous job I mean thank God I never went to Roscommon because that would have been probably the end of me in regional media. I think that would have been a bit too regional for me. Um, they will, I'm sure I, it's I'll lovely. Get, I'll get a load people. of comments yeah. uh, from all my Roscommon uh, listeners. Yeah, I'm sure it's my lovely. But my? I've only been there once and it's for a funeral. So. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah. um, so, like, they were really, really stuck. Someone was leaving. They just couldn't replace yeah, them at the time. Yeah, yeah. And um, so nobody was going into journalism because the money was so rubbish. And uh, so I ended up actually taking annual leave from the job I was in to go up and fill in for them on print days for like the last five weeks of that job or something. So I literally didn't even go from one to the other. I was doing the two of them at the same time. Um, and the gig in Galway this was... was, in Galway. was, was journalist with the Galway Indo. Just uh, journalist. That's just it. journalist. Yeah, okay. And so when I had been up and down there for like I was going up on the bus and whatever 6am mm-hmm. and going up and doing maybe a 12 hour shift and yeah. going back down to Limerick on the bus and going into my other job then that I was still in so when that finished I was more or less straight into the job in the Galway Indo and I was there for uh, two years during which I was promoted to deputy editor um, it's that responsibility thing I just look very trustworthy you know and, um, <laughs> and I'm saying nothing folks the, um, so I, when I was there um, that company also owned the Cork Indo so they had the three papers at the time and there god there was so much flow in the market at the time because that was a they were free papers they were set up um, in Galway it was set up to compete with the Galway advertiser because the advertiser had such a stranglehold on the property advertising market at the time are you seeing a common thread here yeah Yeah, and um, then they bought Inside Cork which was actually owned by 96FM at the time and expanded into Cork and then they set up Limerick and of course in Limerick they had the Limerick Post to compete with there had never been a free paper in Cork Um, there was the Evening Echo and there was the Examiner and there had never been a free one so Inside Cork had been the first one and there was no kind of history of it the way there was in Galway and Limerick. So, which Where is Where were they given out? Like in, and in London, they were given out in the tube. In Dublin, yeah. they were given out in the You see, this is the thing. In, in Ireland, you normally have that public transport. Yeah, so right. shopping centres, shops, okay. garage forecourts. And that paid kind of for by advertising. Yeah. So um, out of the three, the only one still surviving is Cork. And I think it's because Cork didn't have a free newspaper before it. Um, whereas the Limerick Post in Limerick was too hard to beat. The Galway Advertiser was too hard to beat. That just closed last year, mm. uh, the Galway window. So um, I was there for two years and then the job came up in Cork and um, there was a lot of, of activity in the market in Cork at the time um, one of my colleagues here in 96FM Michael Carr actually had been editor in Cork uh, he moved on there was another guy and then he moved on so 
they had the opportunity and they offered it to me with literally two years experience in, in the real workplace um, so I was kind of like I don't really believe this is happening but sure okay how hard could it be and you know in many respects so you was, were in your 20s at I this was 25 stage. yeah yeah so and an editor of a, a local yeah free newspaper yeah. already so I remember one of like one of the contributors like my first job of course was cutbacks um, so literally this one swans in from Galway and tells a load of people they're not getting paid anymore oh, wow. um, which is just what you want um, so I remember one of the contributors who I know now quite well um, being heard to tell other people um, in a very public environment that young one doesn't know what she's doing and that place is going to close down and uh, he's actually still writing for the paper as far mm. as I know um, and I know him quite well now but he's changed <laughs> his mind um, he, he's, he's a regular on the show now as well but um, you know that's what you, I suppose you go in and you're young and wet, very much wet behind the ears you mm. know I really will say that um, but I suppose half of it is looking like you know what you're on about and yeah. isn't that the secret to every job really Um and you know in many respects like it's not rocket science as a job it's just I suppose for for certainly for doing a print run and managing a process and all that you should be very organised um, I didn't know Cork as well as, as I'd have liked to that was my biggest problem um, Where are you I, originally from? I'm originally from Lim- County Limerick but I'm on the border of Cork I'll say where oh, I'm okay, from Okay because I've, I've always associated you with Cork No You're a Limerick woman I'm a Limerick woman yeah You're blowing so I am an absolute blowing but you've never known by my accent now um, and I wish it was put on it's not <laughs> I can't get rid of it now um, but like Cork gets into your bones though mm. and you know that's I suppose I had been here for um, two years maybe in the Cork Indo and really when I came it was a stepping stone I was kind of looking at it going and sure then I'll go into the Nationals and the more I saw I suppose that's when the cutbacks had really started too this was uh, 2009 when I moved down and things had just started to really go haywire and I remember talking to people I knew from Twitter or whatever in the Nationals and everybody was literally like stay away you're probably fine where you are and I actually realised I was fine where I was and the beauty of being in a I suppose being in a small pond is that you get a bit of everything Mm. and that's that's what I love about this show that's what I loved about the Cork Indo so you could do a bit for the health and beauty page and then you could write your editorial about you know the European Youth Guarantee and then you could be doing something about now we didn't get quite to flower show levels Mm. but you know you could be doing a nice human interest piece about something and that I suppose has always been something that appealed to me is that you've that variety whereas I knew and I did kind of look at a couple of jobs in the Nationals I knew how pigeonholed I'd be you know you'd just go in and you'd be on a news desk sent out on marks or you'd be if you wanted to be say a court correspondent or whatever it was you end up just doing one thing for a very mm. long time I mean that is how you become an expert on something I know that but maybe maybe I didn't want to be an expert on something maybe I just wanted to be a generalist so um that was kind of something I came to that realisation while I was in the Cork Indo I was like A I don't want to move to Dublin um, and that I mean still I get from people oh you'd have a much better chance of getting into RT if you move to Dublin I'm like I don't want to move to Dublin you know my life is in Cork I, I think my husband was living in Limerick all the time uh, when I was in Galway and, and in Cork we weren't married then obviously and um, he used to come down for weekends or whatever in Cork and we'd just be walking around Cork going like this is the place you know, why would you want to live anywhere else you have the beach on your doorstep you've, you, you've everything mm. in kind of my Microcosm in Cork, um, and like it sounds like I've really drank the Kool Aid, but I have obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but I mean, we live overlooking the sea, and yeah, I commute into the yeah, city, yeah. and I go home again, and I'm looking at the sea. And for someone from Limerick, that's totally inconceivable. Firstly, because uh, there is no sea in Limerick, <laughs> but um, it's the lifestyle here, and the fact that you get a bit of all that variety. It's a big enough city to have things going on and to be part of big national stories. Um, 
you know, and a lot of the major players are in Cork, um, but you don't have to be so pigeonholed into one particular strand, you know. You're here uh, with 96 now for four years. Yeah. Do you have a typical day? Yeah, I do. Um, I mean, you know, they say no two days are the same. No two shows are the same. Yeah. Um, now that Irish Water is kind of off the agenda uh, for the time being, because we probably had a year of the same show over and over again. Oh, really? That big, that oh, was huge man, here, wasn't it? It was absolutely, well, it started here. Uh, Ballyfehan says no was the first protest group to go out and block the meters. Um, so there was Ballyfehan, there was a couple of groups on the north side, there was Cove, um, there was a huge anti Irish Water movement here. We had an English radio doctor over, you'd be familiar with the the radio consultant as a phenomenon oh yeah yeah uh, we had one over for a their, couple of months their job is to come in and see what you're do, doing wrong and advise yeah. how to change yeah. it yeah now at the beginning we needed somebody to guide us alright but maybe somebody from the UK wasn't the best idea um, and he was very good a lot of his suggestions were really really effective and we did implement them but um, he was like why are you talking about this water and I was like look everyone wants to talk about it trust me and he was like but it's so boring and I was like poll tax think about poll tax and he was like all right, and I was like, think about Margaret Thatcher, poll tax. That would have been big for you, mm. right? And he was like, okay. Um, and he wanted us to talk about why should disabled people have access to prostitutes? <laughs> because that's what has that's the people of Cork really steamed Cork. up, you know. So uh, when when the water uh, when fl- the water subsided, flowed, yes, flowed yeah. Away. Uh, so, so now you get more variety now we get way more variety and I suppose we've learned how to modulate it better as well mm. like at this point now if someone comes on about a thing we, we're finished dealing with we're like look shut up we're not talking about okay. that anymore and we know who the cul- the regular culprits are for that as well um, so no on a typical day to go back to your actual question um, we start here kind of between 7 and 8 depends how much we've got done from the day before or if there's something major breaking mm-hmm. or whatever um, start here between 7 and 8 for the first hour in the morning obviously nobody answers their phone until 8.30 something I didn't learn until about a year into the yeah, job really yeah, yeah. there was no point coming in much earlier than that because nobody was going to answer you um, and I suppose we would be just checking phone lines and making sure people are awake obviously going through the papers checking the bulletins checking the social media Do you get a lot of material in the papers? Um, it varies massively mm. it depends it might be like one of those universal topics we'll be talking about it could be um, you know a celebrity has come out with their miscarriage mm. something like that could be a really good kicker for us where we know there are loads of people who want to come on and talk about that that's one of the topics I mean that we did it recently in Jeepers 3 hour show you know of women ringing in mostly women some men talking about their experience of miscarriage oh, and okay. it's one of those things that you need a, you need an angle for it mm. you need a reason to bring it you up you need a hook to hang it on yeah you do and you need a reason for people to actually ring mm. in um, you're not going to go oh you know lots of you are having miscarriages do you want to talk yeah, about yeah, it yeah, yeah. you know say whoever has come out about their mis- Catherine Thomas actually I think it was at the time came out about her miscarriage and um, you know this is a story that affects a lot of people and so things like that yes okay. um, news wise usually we'll have it first mm. and I mean that's the nature of live radio we'll break a thing and it'll so we'll have it first and then it'll be in the papers the next day and you then you get stuff from your news team or the from pro- our news team or the programme breaks it you know it could literally be someone just rings in and goes oh there's after been a big accident wherever mm. and that's you know that's going to set the agenda for a couple of days because there's X, Y and Z involved okay. in it yeah. um, or it could be um, a protest or it could be something like that um, so oftentimes things will break on the show um, or somebody will say something unexpected or whatever it is and you'll find that it'll be in the newspapers the next day and then the newspapers will develop it further and have a different angle on the next day and then you bring it back on day three because they've changed the yes, narrative. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah. Or somebody else says something about it the next day. So, um, 
a lot of the content would be say or they might they might have developed something we've done so you'd be looking at the papers going oh okay that's somebody new has come mm. out about that that's interesting we didn't have that person on yeah. maybe they'd like to come on and share that so that's what we're doing in the morning oftentimes I mean there are days that the show has been almost completely done the day before and there's just nothing happening that morning yeah. and you know yourself I mean there's nothing worse than that and off, like we'll be sitting there some days and the more frantic we are between 8 and 9 usually far better the show is if we're sitting there twiddling our thumbs between 8 and 9 everyone is lined up and everything is done that'll be the day nobody rings in Somebody, and something goes wrong yeah. a link bring, breaks something down or something or no, someone, someone doesn't, doesn't answer their phone yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. it is Yeah. and then so you do the programme mm-hmm. and then how post 12 o'clock yeah what happens um, we I suppose we go back through how that day was any issues are kind of brought up and discussed obviously if there's any complaints or anything like that that doesn't happen that frequently thankfully um, you know if there's anything immediate that we need to deal with on that day's show mm. or for example you might have people that you have to link up off air because there's somebody offering to help somebody else or whatever it is there'd be a lot of that yes. um, so we do all that kind of post-production stuff um, we obviously have to upload the podcast and all that kind of thing and then you just a lot of times the next day's show will be I don't know a fifth done by then or you'll have stuff left over that is still relevant to the next day um, you know you'll be getting emails in all throughout the show and all that kind of stuff so you might have a good idea of where you're starting for the next day mm. there is the odd day where you literally are starting with a blank page and that's kind of scary you look at that at five past twelve and kind of go oh here we go um, but you know for example today after the show there was only one thing in for tomorrow we've Mary Lou McDonald coming in so it's like great we have that and then I was like god we've nothing else and I mean now we have more stuff than we know what to do with because there's been stuff coming in there's a couple of things have broken um, since then over lunchtime even and uh, and just a couple of bits and bobs have, have come in so but you can't you, you play music if you're stuck no unfortunately ah, <laughs> yeah. so even though this is a music station yeah we don't play any music none at all none no um, so today uh, we had a really sad item about um, Timmy Matley from the Overtones passed mm-hmm. away a Cork really well known yeah. Cork guy yeah. and uh, we, so we played a few clips of the Overtones but that's about as much mm. as we'd ever do unless there's an OB so yeah. in an OB we might bring in live acts alright because okay. you can't rely on the phones an OB <laughs> being an outside broadcast yes. and do you go out of studio often? not that often but we're increasing it a little bit um, it's taken us some time to find a way to make the format work out of studio uh, because if you can't rely on the phones and it's a phone-in show yeah. then there's obviously challenges with that so what we do now is usually it's in a kind of a, a big enough space where there will be a lot of members of the public we would invite a lot of our regular callers and make sure that they're there and that whatever comes up we have somebody to talk about it um, because a lot of the time someone just will ring in and go oh the traffic on the N20 mm. is terrible why don't we have a motorway and do, and you, do, someone there who can do, do you do those OBs do you have an OB van or do you just go to a location we go to and, a location and bring the equipment and set up in yeah. a in a reception or in a room yeah or, or in a cafe or whatever or it is okay. yeah. you don't have an OB van uh, no we don't they're no. expensive yeah uh, so I gather yeah um, it's no I suppose it's not something we do that often some of the other shows in the station would do it a lot more often than us mm. um, and say our sister our sister show on C103 um, Cork Today would do a lot more of that than we do so you have no ambitions to move to the national media I suppose never say never I've no ambitions to move to Dublin okay 
that's yeah. uh, I suppose that's where the crunch thing is you know um, like my I do a column in, in the Herald yep. uh, I'm on today with Maura and Dahi about once a fortnight or so um, that varies depending on the season and the show and whatever um, and I do other bits and bobs nationally I suppose when I have time and the inclination um, since since I had my son obviously I have a bit less time to do the extracurricular stuff uh, I used to go to Dublin a good bit to say do Vincent Brown show um, used to do a lot of stuff on News Talk before I worked here Um but it would take a big offer to it would yeah it would and look you, you know if anyone show. wants to talk to me you know I'm up representing the late late but <laughs> <laughs> whatever can I do it in Cork um, yeah but I mean it would it would take something really exciting um, and you know if it was to do this same job somewhere else then no I'm very happy here doing this job um, you know if it was something really out there then I'd have to consider it mm. but um, at the moment certainly you know where I'm at in life and all the rest of it I don't see myself moving to Dublin anytime soon do you, do you guys here have to deal with uh, fake news? I mean, it's particularly, I suppose, a problem for national media dealing with international stories, mm. although you do get... But do you get local fake news? Um, you just get people being wrong about things, you know. Do, but do you get people deliberately making up stuff? Have you ever had someone ring in with a story that just wasn't true or, or tweeting you up the programme or emailing mm. you something that set you off on something that was just wrong? Uh, yeah, not usually deliberately though. Ah. Yeah, what I would say is somebody will just be totally misinformed and they'll have heard something second or third hand and and you know yourself in a live environment and with the team that we have, you know... You guys don't have time to check We don't have time to investigate yeah, everything, yeah, you know. Yeah. It's not an investigative show. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we, we would take, I suppose I'm putting myself in the crosshair saying this, but we would take an awful lot of things at face value and a lot of the time our verification process is... Someone has texted in to say X. Can any of you verify if that's okay, true? Yeah. If you're in Farnry, look out your window and tell yeah, me if yeah. there's a dead horse out in the road. I mean, this is one, and that wasn't in Farnry before anyone in Farnry gets upset. <laughs> um, that was in Dublin Hill, um, where there was a dead horse yeah, on the road. Okay. And now that didn't break during the show, so we had plenty of time to investigate it because okay. it was in the evening. But there was um, a horse being ridden around by um, some young lads, and it basically died in its stride, and they left it on the road, kind of just left yeah, it there yeah. to die. And um, we like that's the kind of thing. If it had happened during the show, what we would have done if someone had texted us in about that, we would have said, "We have a text saying this. If you're up there, can you go out and check? Is Send this the case? Maybe. Send us yeah, a picture. Yeah, yeah. You know, okay. let us know. Verified, and we yeah. would have, I suppose, enough people that are regular, okay. regularly in contact with okay. us that we kind of know who to trust in an area. Or if someone, so your listeners says, or your safety net. A lot of the time, mm. yeah, yeah, they would be. And just with the, with the level of um, staffing and that that we have, and the speed that the show moves at, they have to be. And that's very much the nature of it. I mean, my favorite. Uh, show ever I think that we did was the time there was a swan on the Blackpool bypass it honestly we had this whole run one summer of bird stories and people love bird stories right I felt like Derek Mooney and we had like there was there was the racing pigeons that got lost so there was um, there was a, some racing pigeon event on down in down in West Cork somewhere and they were all you know left go as they are and they're all tagged and everything I know way more about pigeons now than you do right uh, because be of difficult. this yeah uh, I tell you learn everything in the show and, and I worked on the pigeons well. oh there you go okay so you should know about yeah. this so the pigeons all took off and then a fog descended and basically it messes with their sat nav 
So the pigeons ended up in gardens all over Cork. All right. It was a great story. People were literally, a guy rang in in Fair Hill and he was like, I'm after a funny pigeon and he was into pigeons. Okay. And you have the, like pigeon fanciers are serious people. They really know their shit right and he was like I have this pigeon in my garden it has this marking on it and I know it's from such a place and I know it was at that race and, uh, but how do I get it home and we were like oh crap like how do you get a pigeon home okay do you not so wait for the out. fog to clear and then throw it up into well, the air again well it would be too tired oh, of course. yeah because what you feed a pigeon yeah. so there's a lot to unpack right. here Pat yeah, yeah. so we got some pigeon experts and then we said look has anyone else come across these pigeons and literally people were ringing in from like as you far got a whole as, show like not a whole show but a good portion portion of a show of like yeah I have one I'm in Crosshaven there's one here there's one there and uh, some of the pigeon owners rang in yeah, like you yeah, know basically yeah. you see my little yeah. Johnny kind of thing <laughs> and uh, it was just brilliant you know but the other one the swan on the Blackpool bypass happened in pretty close proximity to this show actually and um, it basically it was just a swan out on the road but it's on a very busy segment of the road it's not a motorway um, but it probably should be and it's a busy suburban area there's people crossing the road yeah. which again it shouldn't be because it should be a motorway yeah. into a busy shopping centre into a suburban area into a Dino's takeaway I don't know if you know Dino's very good chips and um, the swan was just sort of wandering with wild abandon towards town for most of the duration of the show so someone rang in at kind of the first hour and went uh, here there's a you know in case anyone knocks it down there's a swan there was a duns in the back so of the bypass so you were getting updates all we're getting updates like swan camp you basically get, you didn't get the swan on, on the phone no but we should have really yeah we should have and I don't think anyone killed it in the end I think we got the CSPCA out ah, okay. in time to rescue it all right. but it literally the, every move it made that was sounds watched. to me like a great example of a great local story mm-hmm. developing that was fun yeah. and that got the listeners involved yeah you see this is it I mean you can the, I suppose that's the beauty of it that you have like and shade so you can be discussing you know awful tragedies and terrible things and all that but in the middle of it you have this and like that's what life is you know and if you can sort of you can make people cry you can make people laugh and it's it's all about how you make them feel always at the end of the day and you've got to be able to turn on a sixpence yeah and in get the fairness, tone right. this is the thing I suppose that I know when I'm presenting that's the biggest challenge for me yeah. and I know with PJ like he has perfected that he's gotten so good at it yeah. because it's the kind of show where it really does change with the flick of a switch and you I mean you, you usually say put a break in between this topic and that topic sometimes you can't yeah. and you're literally going from Mary who's just lost her son in a freak accident to the swan you know and how you do that with any degree of skill is, is kind of amazing really Tell me about your own media consumption. Mm. What, what, what do you what do you watch? What do you listen to? What do you read? Oh, it's probably not at all what it should be now. I uh, I be letting the side down. Like I used to be a very sort of Irish Times Guardian RTE reader, watcher, listener. Um, I suppose my primary broadcast is still, uh, apart from kind of ourselves and monitoring what the competition are up to, would still be RTE. Um, do you have to monitor the competition a lot? Not hugely. Generally aware of generally aware of look, they've had this person on. Okay. Do we want to have them on? Yeah. That kind of thing. Like I don't listen. Back to their show as a regular thing mm-hmm. because I think you drive yourself insane doing yeah. that. I've never been a fan of sort of it's like coming out of the exam and going, What did you write and be? Yeah. You know, yeah, I yeah. really hate that. Do what you're doing. If you're if it's good enough, you'll win. And you know, it's worked for us so far. Um I don't believe in copying what other people are doing. Um and I do think that getting a better variety of national um national stuff particularly actually can be really good. I mean, I've heard court people on Ray Darcy or mm, on Sean Moncrief mm, or whatever they've yeah, gone, yeah. she's that person to be brilliant. Why have we never come across yeah, them? Yeah. Like 
they don't always have to be from Cork as well so <laughs> sometimes I might hear someone from Dublin and be like oh my god that person is interesting but they'd yeah, have yeah. to be really special okay. um, so I won't ring in tomorrow yeah okay. no well you, you're always welcome to but ring apart in. from but yeah, so listening to the competition and you, obviously 96 what else so radio I would wise, radio wise do you listen um, to podcasts do you listen? I listen to a lot of podcasts now I listen to This American Life religiously um, I would listen to Death Sex Money did you ever hear that no, but it sounds like it's I should. Excellent! It's really good. And For someone actually, who makes a podcast, I, yeah. I I don't know my podcasts at all. I don't know them very well at all either. Mm. See, I'm not in. I'm not. I don't have time to actually yeah, sit down yeah, and be yeah, doing yeah, all yeah. this. And you know yourself when it's your job as well. Um, you're much less inclined to do it for leisure yeah. unless it's something completely different to what you mm. do yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, so a lot of American ones um, I listen to one of my favourite ones is 10 Minute Tudors with this woman who has the poshest accent in the world and it's literally I listen to it if I'm going to the shop in the car oh, okay. or whatever and uh, I am the historian Leander Delisle is how she introduced <laughs> it I just love it I'm like you're so posh I don't care what you're talking yeah, about yeah it's just she's like and, uh, Henry VIII had a daughter blah, blah, blah. and she's just so posh so for, for escapism um, gee, I watch a bit of Netflix Grace and Frankie at the moment okay. um, do you watch television in the old Fashioned I do. Programs yes, I'm on. very old-fashioned TV watcher. I like television scheduling. I like having the routine of having my dinner and watching Nationwide and the soaps. Mm. Nationwide actually can be really useful for us. So it's. I think it's really. Um, and do you know what somebody said to me? Somebody from RTE actually, who works in the very serious end of the business, said to me one day that they don't feel it produces enough positive. Uh, current affairs output as in enough actually not making you you know really depressed stuff mm. and Nationwide is it if you look at Nationwide I know it's not the most like exciting programme in the world but if you, they're doing all these wonderful things that it people are doing on a daily basis it always looks the best basis. side of it's just story. it's so positive mm. and um, if you want to know what's actually going on in the country it's mostly you see it on Nationwide uh, because those are the things that people's daily lives are made up of mm. nobody's daily life is made up of Brexit or NAMA or whatever except for people who work in the big five in yeah, Dublin yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but a lot of people's daily lives are made up of the men's shed or the rowing club or the whatever yeah, yeah. and Nationwide really gives that a voice anything else on um, the soaps okay uh, the news yeah. uh, usually in bed by 10pm so like last night there was some new drama in RT and they were you know they were doing a promo for it at about 8.30 or something they were like starting at 10.40 and I was like who the hell is up at that time I don't know what your record button uh, but sure when would I watch it <laughs> you know yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I have time for that yeah even back in the days of VHS I have a stack of unwatched yeah, that like, I, n- I never got to watch I never watched them so I watched Dermot Bannon I watch all the things you can watch with Twitter uh, Dermot Bannon uh, Francis Brennan all those kind appointment of appointment television programs. you have to watch yeah. them when they're going out yeah. to get the social media and I media really enjoy reaction. that that thing and I think that people maybe, I'm really old fashioned in my consumption in a lot of ways I think that people are really going to miss that if if you totally go from schedule TV I think there's such a community around it um, I mean on the show we could probably nearly do every Monday morning about Dermot Bannon you know okay. um, and but it's funny how the internet in a lot of ways has saved a certain it. kind of television yeah. that much, you have to watch it as it's going live totally. to take part in the social media absolutely and I think it's it's great that they've managed to do the that with shows with like that and, yeah and or first dates of, yeah, first like dates. I often go back through the Twitter stream for first dates in case, case there was someone from Cork on it okay. um, because like there are occasionally Glenn was on from Cork was he on the same episode as you he was on the week before or after you maybe I can't remember um, and he I got absolutely the... roasted oh, right. and you know we had Glenn on the next day talking about the Twitter reaction to him yeah. so I think you can um, I, I really like that uh, it's appointment television it is yeah and I really like that and what about print newspapers uh, print I suppose we go through them every morning for the show before the show so, so I you, you these do days read them there. well do, do you, you know get what? news online do you loads yeah from social media 
Okay. Largely, I mean, I would check the main news websites if I'm not reading the newspapers. Okay. Um, I'll do one or the other. Um, but like most of it is from social media these days, because I suppose what I need to know is what people are talking about. Yes. Um, not necessarily for my own consumption, and that's one thing that that the job spoils for you. I don't know if you find that. I used to be a total news hound, current affairs, you know, um, aficionado. Nowadays, it's literally what do I need to know, mm. um, and it's literally oh, you know, prime time have somebody from Cork on tonight yeah. about their sick child. Well, mine changes because I'm a freelancer, so, yeah, so depending s- on the gig I'm working lucky. on, it changes my media consumption. Yeah, changes. you're lucky. Like I very rarely read a paper for leisure anymore. Mm. Um, like at the weekend, maybe like most people. Whereas if I wasn't working this job, if I was doing something different I'd probably buy paper every day do you switch off when you go home or are you still consuming we're kind of on the job all the time mm. really there's no switching off we try and take it um, in turns of an evening who has the duty phone we'll say and who's monitoring the social media but realistically you need more than one, per- one pair of eyes yeah. so um, I switch off the odd time yeah I would like to switch off more that's something that would be good um, but hey I've maternity leave coming up so you can't get more switched off than that <laughs> <laughs> on which note <laughs> let's switch off this interview poor men <laughs> dear Drozhak thanks a million for uh, taking part in this off message podcast thank you so thanks again to dear Drozhak for our off message chat If you want to listen to previous episodes, they're all available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Pocket Casts and MyCloud. Take your pick. You can sign up to get future off-message blog posts and podcasts ahead of the pack by filling out the subscription form on any individual off-message post over at patomahoney.ie. And of course, you can follow or like off-message on Twitter or Facebook at offmessage1. All shares and shout-outs, greatly appreciated. Till the next time, I'm Pat O'Mahony, this is Off Message, and thank you for listening.